Welcome to CBuzz, the Columbus Chamber of Commerce's award-winning podcast. Our show was presented by the Columbus Chamber of Commerce and Capital University. I'm Michaela Hunt, brand journalist and your host here at CBuzz. We really enjoy bringing you impactful stories directly from leaders right here in our Central Ohio business community. Now, this episode was recorded at Capital University's Convergent Media Center, a collaborative space for students and faculty to study music, film, creative writing, and digital media. This is a great platform, and if you spend time with us on a regular basis, we're grateful to have you. If you're new, welcome on in. Today, we're sitting down with Bill Nolan, managing partner of Barnes & Thornburg's Columbus office. Barnes & Thornburg is a full-service business law firm providing legal advice and services from a wide range of practice areas for businesses in many different industries. They're focused on business needs in Midwestern and other U.S. markets. Bill, thank you so much for joining us here at CBUS today. My pleasure. You're currently a managing partner, as I just mentioned in our introduction here in Columbus. Tell us first a little bit about the business. Let's go there foundationally, its growth, and really what's been your key to success. Yeah. So I spent my whole career in Columbus. Uh, I opened the Barnes & Thornburg office in 2009. And a couple years before that, if you people in the business would have said, oh, Barnes & Thornburg, that's the biggest law firm in Indiana. And that, that's what it was, still is. You know, had a D.C. office, had a Chicago office. But people before me at some point thought, you know, we need to be in some other strategic markets to continue to serve our clients the way we want, get new clients. And so Columbus was one of those markets. And I, I was happy where I was. But I got a call from a headhunter that I knew from some other things. And he's like, Bill, he says, you got to talk to these guys. And there was just a certain urgency to it. I was like, okay, uh, I did. And, and you know, here we, here we are. So we opened in 2009. Um, and it was really intended originally to be sort of a small little labor and employment office, which is what, what I do. And uh, it just became quickly apparent that we were going to have other opportunities in Columbus with people who sort of fit our in a Midwestern-based but national platform. Um, and so, you know, it's worth about 25 lawyers now, 45 total teammates, and you just have, have had real fortunate with really good people. And your common touch point is helping people win, from what I understand, clients, teammates, community partners. So when you, when you talk about when you came to Columbus and you saw that the impact was going to be more broad than you thought, um, tell us about some of those individual growth stories of the coworkers in your office as that kind of has come into being over the years. Yeah, and it, you know, it's a combination. It's a combination of people who come from other firms, m- mature lawyers like, like me, and then people as we, the longer we're here, more people who started as junior lawyers and, you know, grow up, right? Grow up with us. And, and of course we've got a bunch of people who do not have law degrees and, and they're really important to the culture. And, and one of my sort of favorite stories, uh, kind of answering your question is we've got, you know, the first, first person you see when you walk in, we've called them different things. We call them office services and event assistant now. And it's very important. You touch a lot of things, but, um, you know, it is the entry level position. We've had so many people come in there and sort of advance based on their strengths to other positions. We've had five people now at sort of coordinator level or higher position who came in there, including including the person who runs our office now, uh, Emily Roberts. And then, and of course, that's a team effort. You know, Emily's predecessor, Kelly Atkinson, a lot of people in the community know, you know, she hired all those people. Um, so I, I just think that's really cool to see see those stories in particular. Nothing against lawyers. But. No, but it is really cool. And I, I love it that we're talking about a law firm and you're mentioning these other staff members right out of the gate. I mean, how do these people support you all who are lawyers? Tell me about some of the things they do beyond that front office and event service bit. Because I don't think 
people necessarily think about that when it comes to a law firm, the career opportunities there. Right. No, I'm, I'm glad you said that. That's a good advertisement for us, right? No, because there are, I mean, we're a full-service business, right? So some of our functions are more centralized, say, like accounting. We don't have accounting people in Columbus. You could, but but generally those tend to be, um, you know, in, in Indianapolis. But, but yeah, so you've got sort of some of the more traditional secretarial-type tasks. You've got paralegal type tasks, me organizing documents and people who know a little about litigation, discovery and reviewing documents and preparing things. But yeah, we have lots of events in our space and there's a lot of planning and organization that, that goes into that. Uh, you know, we're out there in the community do, doing things. So it's just you know, any, everything you could think of with really any other business, yeah, right? And uh, you have just to, to have make it run. The team to be able to do it. Yeah. So you opened up the Columbus office you mentioned a minute ago in 2009, which was in the middle of the Great Recession. We lived through it. Can you tell me more about that? Because you've thrived, it sounds like. So I want to hear a little bit. Typically, we talk about COVID, but we're going to take it back to 2009. <laughs> right. I mean, tell me about the challenges you faced in 2009 and how you overcame some of those. Yeah, I mean, it was interesting because, again, some of this predates me at the firm. There was a list, a short list of places they wanted to open in about 2009. And, of course, as you'll recall, in 2008, I mean, I think people knew things could happen, but just the speed and the unexpected nature, right? I mean, if you live through it, it was just, just crazy, right, with the markets and stuff. And uh, the leaders at the firm were like, hey, we're, we're going to keep going. And, you know, my area in particular, labor and employment law tends to be fairly steady. I mean, because the the indelicate way I put it is that people always do dumb things, no matter what the economy's like. Yes, this is true. <laughs> and, uh, but, but in all seriousness, it does tend to be fairly steady, unlike someone, say, real estate or trans, big deals and, and things like right. that up and down. So, yeah, so we just sort of kept, kept going. And... I don't think many firms, all, all of those offices opened as planned in 2009. And I don't think a whole lot of firms did that. So, um, you know, we just kind of didn't didn't look up or didn't look down, didn't I look guess. Down, just, right? kept, just kept going. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's such change when I think about, you know, 2008, 2009, I was working in news then in Columbus mm -hmm. when you guys were opening up. And then I think about where we are in 2023, working in more of a corporate government kind of setting for me and with executive leadership. Your mindset in recent years has led naturally to this heightened focus on inclusion and diversity efforts, which we were not talking about in 2008 and 2009. That's just, we weren't, we know that. Um, and there's been several opportunities and partnerships that have come together and in turn led you to kind of further such opportunities. What are your thoughts about DEI work? Tell me a little bit about that, um, given where we are right now in this moment in history. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's so, so where, where to start, Yeah, right? where to start. And, and you're right. We weren't really talking about then the same way. I mean, a few people. And you give Columb credit to the Columbus Bar Association. They had a Managing Partners Diversity Initiative back in about 2001. Really? I mean, really somewhat cutting edge yes. at, at the time. And so, I mean, I didn't, it came to it a little bit by accident in some ways. I took on a role at the at the bar association. Uh, I'm not very good at saying no sometimes, <laughs> and you know, so that was you know, that was important. And then we got a partnership with the Women's Fund of Central Ohio. Some programming there. Uh, Kelly, who I mentioned, our sort of former office administrator, also took on a big DEI role at the firm, which kind of definitely affected impacted the office positively as well. So just a lot of things coming together and, and you know what you find if you're frankly a established white guy uh, with a decent title 
um, you know, it really matters to people when, when you show up. And that's not enough, but that's, that's a start. And when you show up, they, people, they ask you to show up to other things. So it just sort of leads to things with panels and, and things like that, that that I enjoy. And as I say, I'm, I'm not very good at saying no either. <laughs> well, how have you become part of the conversation? What are some of the efforts you're involved with that are really furthering um, work in the DEI space? Yeah, I mean, our biggest one, and it's, it's kind of d- mostly done, but we had this I mentioned the the women's fund, so so really um, talk to me more about that one. Yeah, yeah I was yeah. curious. So uh, and it you know sort of new people at, at, at the women's fund now, but it was Katie Matney was the director of development. You know Katie, yeah, oh, I love Katie. <laughs> Katie's awesome. Um, I have to tell her to listen to this now. <laughs> and uh, you know it's funny because develop people who are fundraisers sometimes they're, they're a little aggressive. You know, you meet them and they say, oh, can we have this big check? It's like, we just met, right? And Katie really just nurtured the relationship. And as a firm, we did little things. And then, um, and she just knew when she had the right opportunity and, and called with Nicole Dunn, who was CEO or whatever they call it at that time. And uh, it was called the Gender Bias Toolkit. And it was these sort of question cards based around small table discussion. I used to be a presenter of the toolkit. There you go. Keep going. Right? Okay. You mm-hmm. were on the, they're on the same page. And so they rolled that out, the Columbus Metropolitan Club. We sponsored that and uh, just thought, you know, we just need to try this in the legal industry. And so uh, we did the first one. It was like January 10th. It was really cold out. We had like 60 people in our lobby and we barely tried, you know, wow. I mean, it was, and you just, there was a real energy around it. So, uh, you know, other firms became involved. Uh, I think we're at sort of five firms now and, uh, probably did about a dozen of those in Columbus over a few years. And then some Cleveland people took it on and started doing it there. And then we would do sort of variations on it other places. And I just think that sort of six people doesn't have to be six, but at a table from different places, uh, you just really get some dialogue and you really see people realizing things. So you see people like me hearing things from maybe the female associate at another law firm yeah, and they're like, oh, I'm doing that at my firm, right? Or something. And so you really could see the light bulbs, which is really cool. I love that you guys were involved in that and continue to be involved in things like that from what it sounds like. Do you think we should give more focus to involving the next tier, I'll call it, of people who are not highly engaged but could be potential allies? Sometimes it can be easy to have the conversation. Sometimes it can be harder to have the conversation. I I do. And I think, I mean, I I always hesitate to say things like this because, you know, I'm the sort of ultimate privileged guy, right? And But I I think a lot of these conferences and, and we go to them and it's, Sometimes it feels like it's the same people having the same conversations, and they're important, and you learn things from each other. Uh, but I feel like there's this sort of group of people who are a step or two away from that level of involvement uh, that you got to find, right? And and they'll get involved, and they want to do something positive. They need a little help doing it. Uh, they need a little help tell you know. Okay, so what is it I can do? You know, you need to go find them and tell them. And so I do think that's an important, really important aspect to, to progress, um, and particularly inside, you know, inside an organization. Well, and you know it, because I'm going to brag on you a little bit. Um, my understanding, I have right here, I know that you are the co-inventor of the Gender Equity in the Legal Industry Program Series. That's the women. That's, that's, the, that's, that's the toolkit. That is it. So yeah. that is the toolkit. So yeah. you guys literally took this mm-hmm. and took it in, and you created something completely out of it in Columbus and Cleveland and continue to shepherd it, it sounds like. So I'm just, I, I didn't know at the time that it was the one and the same, right, but right. that's fantastic that you did that and continue it. 
You also were the recipient of the 2019 Ohio Women's Bar Association Sponsor Award and the 2007 Smart Women Awards Advocate for Advancement. Tell us about these awards um, and how it's been to be such a strong advocate for women in the workplace. You kind of set us up to this point earlier by what you were telling us about what you did early on, but what's it been like to stay there? I think that's the cool part about this. I mean, listen, it's it's fun. I mean, I I enjoy it and, and it's I don't know. And we have a little bit, I think, collectively. Of course, you know, it is a team effort. um, And I I have the certain title. And plus, I'm the guy, right? So, hey, we need a guy. Okay, well, you know, (laughs) we can give the award that person. We have plenty of women to choose from. Um, So, so yeah, I mean, I just, we enjoy putting these things together. You enjoy the conversation. You enjoy advancing it and see the importance of it. Yeah. And I think you can see, I mean, as you know, the amount of work to be done is... Infinite, infinite, but right. but you can see impact. I we, think you know it's it's nice to make strides, but mm-hmm. we continue to as we flip generations, right? And to do more and to bring more to the table, and then those lessons, and right. you know, my two sons, it'll look different for them than yeah. it looks right now in terms of how they work with women and how they partner with women. So I I think it's fantastic. There's another hot topic I'd like to touch on, um, employment law, which we obviously we know you know a thing or two about. Are there any current trends or issues that might be of importance to discuss, like things we should look out for? There's so many people who own businesses or startups who listen to this or involved in a leadership level in some of those. What what do they need to understand right now? Yeah. And, and one of the reasons I enjoy employment law is it is always, always changing. And there are always developments. They're state, they're federal. And you know, a lot of them you read about just in the regular newspaper, right? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I'll tell you one big trend, and it affects even businesses, businesses that can be smaller that may not think, oh, I don't need to worry about laws in other states, but so much of employment law increasingly has become state or local. And so much less federal law. It's been, been a while since we've had a big federal employment law. And, you know, you used to have Title VII, that Family Medical Leave Act, Marriage and Disabilities Act, uh, you know, all, all those in, in the last century. And so there's so many different laws in different states. And I say even cities on non-competes, uh, wage and hour law, different minimum wages in different cities, uh, drug testing laws can be different, different places. And you go on and on, that just increases. And so that, that makes it hard for businesses and even even smaller businesses uh, may not realize, I mean, yeah, if you have three people sitting in Columbus and that's all you got, probably don't need to worry about law in, in Indiana. But if you have people who are remote or you got people in different cities in the same state, it's very, it's very hard for businesses. I'm going to ask you a question because now, now it, it drew me to think about a big federal question in employment and kind of what you're seeing with marijuana, recreational mm-hmm. marijuana. Mm. What is kind of what it, what you guys are seeing on that when it comes to employment? I just think it'd be interesting to ask you that question. Yeah. No, and it comes up fairly often with, with clients because what, so again, different laws in different states. Right. And, and then you also have, you also have this medical marijuana piece exactly. and it's still, it's still illegal. Marijuana is still illegal federally, federally right? Yeah. And so- and then you'll have states, Ohio doesn't have this, but some states will, will basically have that there's a claim if an employer, quote unquote, discriminates against you because you're using medical marijuana. And so you have a conflict there between the state law and the federal law. Yeah. 
And uh, of course that goes to court and that sort of thing. But sort of the practical, the one practical thing I would tell you about marijuana is I think more and more employers are dropping it from what they test. Really? Because it is harder and harder. And of course- Given the laws across the country. Given the laws. And it seems to be continuing to head that direction. Mm -hmm. And of course, in part, it can be hard to get workers, right? (laughs) We're going to pass your test. Right. And you can still, that doesn't mean you have to give up the right to say you, you you can't be under the influence while you're at work. You don't have to give up the right to do any testing. But as far as employers saying, hey, we're not going to hire somebody who tests positive for marijuana, I, I feel like you know, anecdotally, more and more employers are just saying, we're not going to test for that. And that's what I was curious, kind of from a trend position, what mm-hmm. you were seeing, because you guys do touch so many points throughout the country and not just here in Ohio. Yeah. So that's what I was curious what you'd seen there. Um, continuing kind of off that the discussion of employment law, let's talk a little bit about the Columbus legal market. In many ways, it reflects all of the great qualities about Columbus, but it tends to be a little less dynamic. Is that a good way to describe it? I think so. And it is, I mean, agree with the first part of your statement. It's a great place to practice. You know, people tend to get along and you'll get, you know, lawyers from other cities sometimes who don't, you know, don't have that vibe, right? And it's like, <laughs> you're not from here, are you? Yeah. And of course there's a small handful here as well. And we all know who they are. Right. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, generally people just get along and you don't, you don't waste, I mean, of course you have some, you don't waste a lot of time on disputes you don't really need to be having. And, and the judges around here expect that from you, right? Don't, don't go file a big motion about some little dispute until you've talked about it. <laughs> you know, uh, that really ticks people off and it should, it should. So that's, that's, it's a great place to practice in, in that way. Uh, but yeah, I look around and lots of good firms, lots of different kinds. You don't have to be a big firm. Um, you know, lots of good lawyers and all, all sorts of places and law schools and whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, uh, you know, I do think there's a certain, a little bit of conservatism and I don't mean politically just, Firms, firms in Columbus, and I don't. Uh, like I said lots of people I like and like practicing with, and really good lawyers. But I don't. I don't sort of look around and think, "Oh, I wish I'd thought of that." Uh, that sort of cool new idea. Yeah. Um, so, in terms of innovation, right, if you will, that's maybe that's the it. word that I'm looking for. Yes, but it's also good for new players like you guys too, from what it seems like. Yeah. Given how people work together and everybody kind of doing their thing. At least that's yeah. what I'm No, that's right. And, it's, and it's a great, there's a lot of opportunity in Columbus. And so, and of course, so much of Columbus, I, you know, I grew up in Indiana, even though I've spent my whole career here. I mean, so much of Columbus did not, was you know, did not grow up here, right? And, right. and so it's a town that's very open to those kinds of people. I love that you're a Hoosier because I grew up in Illinois. So I'm familiar with, um, I have friends who are Hoosiers. And the fact that, yes, we can come into a place like this. And it's like, we're from here. We bring in kind of some, you're bringing in some great Midwestern perspective. So do I. But like people are coming from all over to come into Columbus. And we really are... um, we're in a great moment to be here. We are. We truly we are. are. How do you think a vibrant, thriving downtown it really helps differentiate great cities from good cities, given what you've seen, Indianapolis, D.C., now Colum- like Columbus? Tell me what you think about that. Yeah, I mean, it is important, and and you know, we do. I mean, you, you got to recognize as an employer, I think, that the world has changed. Uh, but but listen, it's really nice to walk around and have things going on on the state house lawn and have restaurants be busy. Uh, there's a lot of traffic out on 315. I didn't miss. Ugh. I didn't miss that. But uh, but you know, it is really a, it's just a thing, an important part of a city to to have that. 
because there's nothing to me, there's nothing quite like it. Um, and in Columbus's downtown, I mean, I think we're sort of spread out, right? Because you've got the, all these sort of kind of downtowns. Yes, um, we do. Because all these suburbs have built up right. opportunities and spaces. Right. So just you think the way that it all connects is really yeah. fantastic yeah. for us. And, you know, the river, everything's so nice down there now. And now everything happening, you know, on the on the west side of the river is, is amazing. I, I oh, look, Franklinton, all that? I look west and boy, has that changed. And, Junto, the Junto, yeah. the new hotel. We, yeah. we had um, one of the uh, directors kind of of that project, so to speak, or the company come on and talk on CBuzz a bit ago. Yeah, just it's fantastic mm-hmm. to see. Um, what do you think are the key elements to keeping a vibrant Columbus legal market? Like we were kind of talking about the players and kind of how it feels to continue that kind of spirit in the legal market, what do you think we need? What, what do we need to continue or try more of? Yeah. I mean, I think more innovation and try more things. And you, you see a lot of that in Columbus generally. And so we definitely, I think, want to see that in the, in the legal community and think, I mean, Colum- we use what Columbus way, right? For, the Columbus way. And I think there's really something to that. And it certainly exists in the legal community as well. So just, just using that for more new things, uh, you know, can be on DEI issues, can be on lots of things. And, and I do think the firms here, you're not, even though they're your competitors in one sense, we do lots of things together and work together. So I think just keep on that path. A lot of firms here, I would take it, have a lobbying arm too, right? Given the mm-hmm. government work that we do here, I, I would figure as much. I've run into a few and worked with a couple um, in terms of just projects and things like that. And, you know, I think you know, as Columbus, we were having a conversation earlier about with um, our prior interview, just as the state's vision and the city's vision, I think is if we elevate it, everybody's talking about it, including the law firms and how to really kind of get involved in that. Um, For you and all the work that you have done with the Bar Association, et cetera, how how important is the Columbus legal community in promoting the downtown's vitality? Oh, I I mean, I think very. As you you know, there are tons of lawyers downtown, right? Lots, yeah. We're we're in the Huntington Center at 41 South High, and boy, there are a lot of lawyers in there. There are a lot of lawyers in that one. A few bankers, but, uh, you know, that's (laughs) about it. And uh, and other buildings as well. So it's a big... You know, it's a disproportionate percentage of, of who is downtown. And of course, your state courthouse is a few blocks one way, your federal courthouse is a couple blocks the other way, got all the government offices. So, you know, it makes sense for lawyers to be downtown. Yep. And so uh, I think, as I say, I think they've got a disproportionate impact because there are a lot of us downtown. Do you think that you have a good amount of maybe kind of the younger generation? Do some of them try to live downtown? What What's your pulse on that? Yeah, that's interesting. I, I don't... Um, I can't think of any of ours that live downtown. I mean, a number live fairly close, close right? German yeah. Village, that sort of thing. Clintonville. But obviously, you know, we see the numbers increasing as far as people live in downtown. And the mixed-use buildings that mm-hmm. where you're going to have apartments and condos along with offices. I mean, I, we really right, are seeing... Right, and then you can start to get grocery stores, and then you get a few more people who live live there. Those so. are the things we... The, the grocery stores and those things that you need to have that are staples, we definitely need more of yeah. to continue that kind of growth that we're, we're alluding to. How does really a Columbus Legal company like such as Barnes and Thornburg continue to contribute to long-term success, do you think, of the city and the region, given where you've come from since 2009 to now? I mean, I just think you get involved in whatever you can. And it's, uh, I mean, with us, we try, it's not the kind of thing where I walk into a 
junior lawyer and say, you know, hey, you should go do this thing at the Columbus Chamber, even though the Columbus Chamber has a lot of great things, right? But, you know, so things they're passionate about, and then and then the, the business needs to support them in doing that and uh, amplify what they're doing, let them have their meeting, you know, let them have events in your space and, and that sort of thing. So, you know, find the things where that your people want to do because then they'll do them, right? And the Chamber does so many different types of work. I know that. You know that. How did you ultimately plug into the work they were doing? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, they do... They do such a good job. We, we, we sponsor CEO Insights, and uh, I'll often do closing remarks at, at that. And, I, you know, I always say there's this huge menu the Chamber has, right? And, and I think their, their team has always done such a good job of – because not everything on the menu is for you. So Correct. For, for a particular right. business. Right. And so um, – and people, you know, including people who aren't, aren't there now, sort of just kind of trial and error and, and the CEO insights has been a really really good fit for us um, I did I did small business counsel for a while before that um, so th- you know those are things that work well for us and what did you feel like you learned from the small business counsel experience that you did through the chamber yeah it was just um, I mean a you know you appreciate because we're, we're not a I mean law firms in the scheme of you know big corporations aren't big businesses, but, but, you know, we kind of are, we tend to work for big businesses right. and sort of thing. And, uh, so it's just, it gives you a real awareness of some of the things that, that go on out, go on out there in the community, a really nice, nice cross section. So like expanded a bit of your worldview given some of the for things sure. you typically do. And yeah. so, and the fact that you were able to plug into that through one of the menu items, if you will, right. that the chamber has gave you that additional experience and yep. additional perspective. You know, one of the reasons we have conversations like the one we're having today um, on CBuzz, Bill, is because we really believe in that continued personal and professional development. And I can tell you are a believer in that given the, some <laughs> of the things you've done in your career when we talk about gender equity and some of the other things we've discussed today. Um, it's, I mean, it's one of the most valuable aspects as a leader in business. So I would love to hear before we go, what's influencing you right now? You know, you've been on this path for a while. You've done some really what I will call innovative things coming out of the legal community in the past couple of decades. Right now, what is it? Like, what is driving you? What is making you interested, hopeful, pushing forward? It could be a book, a show, or involvement in some kind of group. It could be any of those things. Yeah. I'm, you know, I, I wish I were better at like reading books. I mean, I read and I get tons well, of. Well, you read a lot probably for work. I, so. I do. And I get. You know, I have a major case of FOMO, so I, I get you know all these email newsletters and stuff on just organizational, which which I enjoy, and I but I still try and manage that a little bit. Uh, you know, my wife and I are uh, working through the office right now, oh. two or three a night. You know, very insightful to employment law, right? And and I just started, um, I, I just started chairing the labor employment section of the State Bar Association, and so I'm excited about that. Oh, That's a wow. great great group. You know, just has lots of activity. So so that'll that'll be fun. Do you have a favorite office episode so far? I probably should ask you that question. Oh gosh. I mean, you, you know, we we've I'm sure I've I know my kids have seen them multiple times. <laughs> uh I've seen almost all of them. Um I mean, you know, dinner party is it's just, you know, so cringy, right? <laughs> Which one is that? Remind me because I my husband watched, but I'm what happens at the dinner party? Oh, okay. So that they um so Mike, it's when Michael and Jan are a couple, yes. and they invite um, they invite Jim and Pam over. They don't invite Dwight, but he comes with his this much older woman. 
Um, and then Michael and Jan are not getting along. It's, it's, it's just, just, it's just cringy. Like it, you said, it's really, yeah. So you like a little bit of levity, like oh, given yeah. all that you do and all the work that you do, a little bit of levity yep. mixed in sounds like it's a really good way for you kind of to decompress at the end of the day. Yeah, no, it, ha- it has been. And it's just been, I don't know, the last, last few weeks or something, but it's been fun. That's, so. I, I need to go back and watch all of it. I've seen episodes here and there and I probably have seen a portion, like I have a visual in my mind of dinner party, but I'm not sure. But yeah, my husband and many others including your children yeah. know these it, i mean it's a little addictive too yeah. we're like oh we're just gonna watch two tonight and that, you're like that oh happen. that does yeah. not happen yeah. well just thank you for taking your time well, to share you. this story with us is there any one last thing you want to impart to those who are listening oh boy uh yeah i mean you know the thing that we've tried to do is i mean i think when you sort of focus on the people as, as individuals and, and try to help them develop which is not the same thing for everybody uh the other stuff, you know, the numbers and the cool clients and recognitions that they, 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 they'll happen, you know, they'll come along if you sort of start, start your focus on sort of building on people's strengths. Focus on the people yep. and things will succeed it's, from there. It's not an original thought, but it's true. It's true. Well, thank you for making it so concise at the end of the episode right. too. I really appreciate it, Bill. And thanks for taking the time with us today. Thank you. For our listeners, if you want to learn more about Bill's endeavors, please visit btlaw.com. Look under locations and then Columbus. And if you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to let us know by reviewing it on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you may be listening. Your reviews help people find our show and hear our community stories. We do read your feedback and we value your ideas as we plan for future content. CBuzz is proudly produced in collaboration with Capital University. Thank you to their talented students, faculty, and staff for helping bring this program to life for our listeners. We couldn't do it without them. Once again, I'm Michaela Hunt, your host for CBuzz. Have a great rest of the day and we will catch you next time.